0: I thought I saw a man brought to life He was one, he came around like he was dignified He showed me what it was to cry Well, you couldn't But I don't know. What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. This week, ladies and gentlemen, we have another special treat for you guys as we are bringing back yet another classic interview from The Boochcast Cast days of old. And the guests that we are bringing back as as we make our transition from pulling interviews off of SoundCloud and onto our new platforms, uh, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, we have one of the biggest names in stand-up comedy, The Machine, Burt Kreischer. Now, the reason I chose this week to put this interview out is because this coming Saturday, at the time you are listening to this, September 16th, Burt Kreischer will be here in Atlanta, Georgia at the State Farm Arena as part of his Tops Off World Tour. The show starts at 7pm. You can go to Ticketmaster.com to purchase your tickets if you're in the Atlanta area. And of course you can go to Ticketmaster.com slash Burt Tickets to find other dates where Burt Kreischer will be performing in a city near you. Now, some of you are probably wondering, Booch, how the hell did you get Burt Kreischer on your show? Well, that's a very good question. Here's the backstory On how that went down For those of you Who may not know For a long time uh, About four years I was part of A radio show Here in Atlanta Called The Regular Guys Show From September 2010 To December 2014 I was part of The Regular Guys And throughout the years Obviously we'd have A lot of uh, comedians And wrestlers And celebrities That would come through And sometimes Independent people And artists as well To promote things And give interviews Well Bert was always somebody that the regular guys loved. So every time he was in town performing at a comedy club, whether it was The Punchline, which is where he was performing at the time that we recorded this interview, or if he was at The Laughing Skull, or if he was at The Funny Farm, or if he was at Bonkers, like wherever he was performing, if Bert was in town, he would always come through the regular guys' show. And during that time, Bert and I got to hang out, talk, get to know each other, and become really good friends to the point where every time he came, into town, I would always make an effort to go see him at whatever club he was at. I think one time he was even at the Atlanta Improv, back when we had the Improv here. You might see a picture of uh, me and Bert uh, from there on my personal Instagram page, which you can follow at VinnyTheBoochBoochie. I know I'm doing a shameless plug, but I'll get back to the story. So, over time, Bert and I became really good friends to the point where, at one point, he actually gave me his phone number. Now, because Bert lived in another state, and because I'm the type of person that doesn't want to stalk people or drive them crazy I held on to the number but I very seldom used it in fact I still have the number and I've barely touched it the only time I've ever really used it is to call Bert when he's in town and when I started doing the Boochcast on Blog Talk Radio when I started bringing it back after the second hiatus that the Boochcast took I made the decision that I wanted to interview Bert on my show so a few days before Bert came into town I called him on his cell phone called his personal number I I said hey how you doing he goes what's up Bert? brother he said hey um i want to ask you for a favor um if it's okay with you and he said yeah sure what's up i go um i just started um this internet radio show that i'm doing and i know you're going to be at the punchline this weekend and i would love to interview you on my show and without missing a single beat bert said of course i didn't have to uh, do a sales pitch i didn't have to twist his arm i didn't have to beg bert without any hesitation at all decided to do the show in fact we talked to the regular guy's show that morning set up the time and everything and then later that afternoon we recorded this interview and this is the interview uh, that you guys are about to hear right now and then after the interview I'll tell a couple of Burt Kreischer stories but I really want to jump into the interview so I'll save the stories for after the interview is done so sit back and enjoy as Vinny Bucci teams up with Jerry Truman because of course this is during the blog talk days so Jerry was right there with me as we chat with the one V. The only the machine. Bert Kreischer.
1: Yo, what's up? Hey, Bert, what's up? I know. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Dude, we're
2: doing fantastic, man. How's your
1: day going? Uh, I'm still. <laughs> In the sick of it. I am, uh, I just got done lunch at Tin Lizzy's with my buddy Hatterman, and, uh, and I just got back to my room. I was getting ready to take a nap, but, uh, but my phone was dead when you called the first time. I was waiting up for you.
2: All right. Well, Bert, um, I guess we started off now. As most people know, and this is something I've always wanted to add, I know about, everybody knows the story about the, um, you know, how you got the nickname The Machine. You know, you were the Russian Mafia story, and I'm not going to make you repeat it, because I know you must have told it, like, a million times, but... Thanks, there's buddy. one so <laughs> And now, now The story is like how you got, and you know, I don't remember the story like where you uh, you got involved with the Russian mafia, and you were partying with them, and at one second you ended up, you know, robbing the train and everything, and yeah. there was one there was one aspect of the story you never, that I never got to hear that I always wanted to ask, and that was, after all this craziness happened, what happened after you got back home from Russia, like when you got back to the States? Uh,
1: that's actually a really interesting question. Um, I'll tell you the two-fold part of it, because I think two parts of it are very interesting. Uh... Number one, when we got done the trip, well, you got to remember, by the way, part of the story that's so lacking is the fact that we went to Moscow, and that happened, and I robbed the train, but we had to go back to St. Petersburg. Like, we had to go back on that same train with those same two gangs. And so, uh, as crazy as this sounds, the teachers from that class, one of which... The Vodka her face. asked me to party with those gangsters again because it was related to them that nothing really bad happened. Some people got some cameras stolen, some uh, money was stolen. It wasn't a big deal. No one should be upset. That's basically what the cops said in that night. So on the ride home from Moscow to St. Petersburg, to go back with my original gangster, Igor, that I hung out with, they asked me to sit with the exact same two gangsters that I'd robbed the train with and chill out with them. And I did, and I drank with them all night long, and, and one of the teachers, the initial one, who had got me into Russia in the first place, she came back and drank with us, and it was a good time. No one got robbed. It was a very like uneventful night, for whatever reasons, maybe. Uh, the more fascinating, and these are all the parts of the story that I don't share, What I find are more interesting, the more fascinating part of the story is, so I go back to Tallahassee. I fly from St. Petersburg to uh, Munich, and then from Munich, I backpack for like three months, and I tell everyone this. I mean, I tell the story as many times as I can tell it. That's my way to meet people. Then we go around, backpack for three months. I go back to Tallahassee, and I am Boston at the scene, ready to tell all these guys that I grew up with, all my fraternity brothers, that I'm the train in Russia with the Russian Mafia. And I find out the first day I'm back that my girlfriend of five years has been sleeping with my best friend. And, uh it ruins me. It ruined me. Like, I was broken. And all my reality at the time, the fact that I've been dating a chick who had been sleeping with my best friend in front of everyone for all of summer. The whole summer, that's all anyone had seen was those two hooking up and talking about me behind my back. And I rolled home and that's what I saw. And I didn't tell a soul about that story. So to this day, I have dudes that, I, that I've known my whole life or, you know, that, and they're like, how come I never heard that story? I go, well, because when I got back to Dallas, Alex was having sex with Harley, and I couldn't, like, that ruined me. It ruined me to the point where I want to say, in all honesty, I fractured a tad bit, and I became the guy who, I became the machine. I became the guy that hung out with the Russian mafia. That personality trademark that I had developed to hang out with these guys, it was comfortable, and it was very close. It was, like, like right on the tail of all of this. And I was like, screw it. Oh, that's what I'll do. And so I ended up partying a lot and becoming... Uh, in Rolling Rolling Stone's opinion the number one party in the country and I want to say it's all because of that one trip I, I, people go, are you, uh, are you upset that she on you? Nah, not really at all, because it, it turned me to the guy I am today, who is very happily a father of two, with a very happy marriage, who lives in LA and travels the world, and does stand up and says the wrong thing from time to time, but understands that there's a growth to that based on my experiences. So i, I By the way, by the way, Vinny, maybe one of the best co- questions I've ever asked.
2: Oh, thank you. I was, I was, uh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm glad
1: that you're able to share that, that story with me. I mean, I means a lot. And, you know, uh, did you ever see your best friend again? Yeah, yeah. I wrote about, about him in my book. I've seen him a bunch. I've, we went to our 20th uh, high school reunion together and our kids played together. And uh, and he's, he's, look, I have no ill will towards him. And I have no, I have nothing bad to say about him. He did what I would have done in that situation. I wasn't meant to marry that chick. That was, that. if I had married her, I would have ruined my life. I feel bad about the guy that married her, but... He, man, it was like uh, serendipity. He got me out of a situation I didn't want to be in without even knowing that I didn't want to be in it. So I have nothing bad to say about him. He's, uh, I'm very honest about him, uh, with who I think he is, but not in a bad way, but just in a very, like, like once something like that happens, you are untethered. And, uh, and he's a fascinating dude. Really fascinating dude. One of the best looking guys I've ever known. One of the most alpha males I've ever known. The, I mean, the best fist fighter I've ever known. Like, I mean, uh, hardcore fascinating dude and a great father but like really interesting so yeah i talk talked to him from time to time but not we're not like he called me i did a solo podcast like uh, a month ago maybe or a couple weeks ago and uh he called me in the middle of it randomly he was just playing golf with another friend but he called me and we talked and we talked i wrote about him in my book and we talked about that but uh yeah he's not a bad guy well,
2: I'm glad to see everything's, you know working out for the best. And uh, Now, this, this book you're talking about, I assume this is uh, Life of the Party, Stories of a Perpetual Man Child, correct? Yeah.
1: Big mistake I made in that book is I didn't take people's names out of it. I left everyone's names <laughs> in it, which uh, makes it really fun to read on Facebook, but in <laughs> real life, everyone just texted me and was like, hey man, why would you take my name out? So you
2: have a song like Legal t- did you get a song Legal Team behind you when this book got published? I don't say
1: anything just disparaging, like even the Tracy Morgan story, which just, I mean, I, has has become a little bit of a nightmare in my life, even that story, I, it, I was vetted by lawyers, because, you know, I can't, I can't deny my own experiences I can't go, well that never happened I can't just go, I'm not that guy, that's not who I am at all in life, let alone am I going to put that out for people to read, is that that I'm not the guy that's not going to be real. I'll be real. I'll be very real. It may not be pretty. It may not be like beautiful or the way you remember it, but it's definitely the way I remember it, and it's going to be funnier. It's going to be more entertaining, but like even with the Tracy Morgan story, I had to put it out there, and it was a little bit of a nightmare, but uh, you get vetted you by lawyers, and you're like, listen, this is exactly what happened, so whatever. I still, I,
2: I got to be honest. I remember, um, I think Jerry and I were at the uh, the funny farm when I first heard you tell that Tracy Morgan story, and I got to be honest with you when i found out yeah. that when you told that story was true i i've been telling i gotta be honest with you Bert, i've been retelling that story giving you credit of course to every single atlanta comic i hang out with when we go out and do comedy i have retold that story to every comic and they all loved it and they're all shocked
0: and scared.
1: well the truth is it's it really is tracy morgan's story and and when you hear it it's that's that's who he is is a really fascinating dude with a lot on how people operate and 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 he's a a testament to what comic genius is and like and like he knows people he does what he does but he knows how to push your buttons and he knows how to get out of and he's a fascinating dude and if you read the book I, i say nothing disparaging about him despite what people may have heard of that story or how people may have heard that story in the book i'm very real about it and that's how it went down uh and I have nothing but great things to say about Tracy tomorrow. One of the, easily one of the most memorable nights of my life. I remember that happening and being afraid to tell people it because I thought that he might, he might say that I was lying. And I'm, I'm still afraid of that. I, am trust me. Like, I understand that he will not remember that night. I know that. I get that. That was one night in his life of an, of an array. What he remembers is the night he hung out with Jay-Z and Beyonce or the night he got on stage at Madison Square Garden. Like, he's not going to remember one night of hanging out with some young comics, but man, he he is fantastic, and he's amazing, and he is just out there, man. He's untethered. Like, you got to respect a guy like that. I, I do. do. I definitely do. I'm telling you, I'm still... I mean, you're lucky that you heard me tell it, because very, I very seldomly share that story. I know I showed it on, shared it on Rogan's podcast, but, like, I'm super nervous about who I showed that with. It must have been when I was drunk. <laughs>
2: oh I remember I think you were I think you told the crowd like five times to put their cell phones away before you told the story Like, I remember you like yeah. reminded everybody the like don't film this week
1: yeah I, that was that was a bit of a uh, at the laughing skull. I was in was like a small room, and you're just like, all right, fine, I'll tell it. It got shouted out for a long time. I'm happy that it went away, that people don't shout it out of my shows. Uh, I'm glad people like the story. But like I said, I did nothing funny in the story. It's all Tracy. He's just a fascinating dude. <laughs>
2: Yeah. But it um, relationship with other comedians and I remember I saw your special. I remember seeing special comfortably dumb and you were telling a lot of funny stories about you and Jay Moore. And I recently heard yeah. rumors that there was if you guys had like some kind of fight or falling out or something.
1: Ah, uh, you know how friends are. Yeah, falling out and then that's it. Day. I don't have anything bad to say about him. I, I still, I think I, I want to say I follow him on Twitter. Like, I listen to his radio show. I just, uh, you know, it's like, look, I got two kids. I got a TV show. I got stand-up tour dates. I have a podcast. I'm super busy. And, uh, and as far as, you know, whatever.
2: Your show on uh one of the shows you got is um called Trip Flip which um I've always been wondered like you always go on these exciting trips and you take people out. Um have you ever had a trip on the show that actually likes that trip feel bad? Like where, where you are playing this great trip and things
1: just went awry? Uh we've we've had we've had no incident of that ever in my entire life. Every trip's been perfect and it's all been great. Look, you get you get hiccups in every trip. They're humans, we're humans, I'm human. Like I, I wake up cranky some days, they wake up cranky some days. But I will say that every single person that's been on the show has said on the final day, if you're ever gonna do an All-Stars, I wanna be on it. Because it's a fun show to be on. Like, no one leaves that show going, like, that wasn't enjoyable. I-, I think if anyone has trepidation about the show, they just don't do it at all. And that that's understandable, man. It's reality yeah. television. Like, just because we're filming it doesn't mean you have to do it. I totally get that. But, anyone that's done it has had a blast. Has had an absolute blast. I would defy, I'm not going to put this out there, really, but I would defy anyone to say they didn't have a great time. Because it. it's a fun, it's a really fun show. I and mean, then we fly you out, we put you up, and you literally have four days of the Best vacation you've ever had in your entire life so no nah, we haven't really had any but I mean look we all wake up cranky if anyone ever has a bad thing to say about the show yeah, I, yeah I've, I've woken up I got bit by a spider one time and I was in like I was sick and I was frustrated so yeah we've all had bad days but not nah, an amazing show <laughs> Yes,
2: and I know that you're now, and you also had another show uh, called Burt the Conqueror. Um, I was wondering, uh, how did you get
1: get the idea for Burt the Conqueror? Uh, It was brought to me by the network, oddly enough. Um, It was a little bit of serendipity. I had done a show called The Cinderella Story that they saw, and I had done a show called Heard Burt, which I I guess they had or had not saw. But um, they saw me, and I was a very, very, very regular guy. I was not like a adventurer or like a thrill seeker, and they wanted someone's real. I don't. I don't know. I, I say this. I say this in rote that I don't know. Uh, but apparently, they liked me on roller coasters because I'd never ridden a roller coaster before, and so uh, they hired me. Uh, that sounds so lame. I'm sorry. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't have a better answer, but yeah, they, I just was not that guy. And then they saw it and they thought it was ironic that it was Bert the Conqueror as a You know, it's a good name for a show. So who knows? I really honestly don't know, and I wish I did, but whatever.
2: So do you pick the places that you go to, or does the Travel Channel make that decision? How do you decide what places you're going to, or events you're going to take out?
1: I'll, I'll 100% say it's Travel Channel, Uh only because... God forbid they not agree with me on that because they are in control 100%. But I would, I definitely would say that I have definite say in where we go. However, with *Birth of Conqueror, I no say, I mean, it was like they they knew what they wanted. They know what coasters they wanted to ride. I would say it wasn't so much a travel channel as much as a production company. But, like, uh, uh, Travel, probably, I don't know what kind of say they have in Berk Conqueror. But with TripFlip, I mean, it's it's entirely the network show. I mean, if they want to do something, then we do it. But at the same time, like, creatively, they pay us to try to come up with good ideas. And I hope to God we're coming up with them. I mean, I know for a fact that I said in a, I said on a podcast one time that I had a dream about going to Asia. And my executive from the network just called me up. He's like, you want to go to Asia? We go to Asia. And I was like, really? He's like, of course, man, if you if that's something you're passionate about, it's, Travel Channel follows passion. If you're passionate, they want to go where you're going. If you're passionate about travel, they want to follow you there. So, it's, uh, I mean, it's an amazing network for, for, I sound like a corporate shill. But the short answer, <laughs> the very long answer, the long answer I gave you is, uh, it's a little bit mix of both. So, but mostly, it's a network. What's the next <laughs> question, Vinny? <laughs>
2: So was there ever a place that you absolutely just refused, like a like travel town wanted to send you somewhere you
1: actually refused to go? No. I, no, I'm not that guy. I am, uh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely passionate about travel. I think I, I, there's the, the small things in travel are what move me. Like, uh, like Taco stands in Cabo, you know, on the street. Like, uh, like, uh, getting a cocktail at a, in the middle of, uh, Carnival, you know, like this, this. I I I don't know. I'm 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 a romantic at heart, so I feel like you can send me anywhere, and I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find the thing I dig. So yeah, I've never really been brought with an idea that I wasn't into. Uh, and I've never said no to anything. I've only said no to one thing, and that was a skateboard jump in South uh, South California, Southern California. That uh, that was like 120 feet, and I was like, I don't know if I can physically do that. That's the only thing I've ever said no to. Uh-huh.
2: So now, was that a network decision, or were you like going somewhere and somebody walked up to you and said, "Hey, man, you want to skateboard
1: this?" Like, who like, I, I do? No, to- it was. It was. It, look, the network is the network is. If nothing is amazing, like they always are amazing, and I and I'm not even like saying that as like a guy with no backbone. I'm just being honest. They brought it to me. The network didn't even bring it to me. It was uh, the production company brought it to me. I think maybe the pitch from the network and I was just like I'm not into that. Uh, there was a guy very famous skateboarder who's a young boy get had a show on MTV and he wouldn't do it. And once I found out he wouldn't do it I was like I'm not doing this. Because That guy was like a professional skateboarder. Ryan something. I forget his name. But so once I found out he wouldn't do it I was like I'm out. But, uh, but yeah the network, the network's never. The network's amazing. Dot dot dot. I love the them, dot 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 like I have no. like just in case anyone has misconstrued feelings of how I feel about working for travel I love them so just I, I'm so nervous about how anything gets construed these days because people take your sentences out of context you know
2: I know I got sentences. Taken out of context, like like literally all the time, I have to keep explaining myself. to
1: Be like, no, no, no I meant it this way. No, I don't have, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't have a place. I've never, I've, I, I want to explore the unexplored. I wouldn't mind being an explorer in the 1800s. I dig the unknown. I, I love learning. I love exploring. I love exploring ideas. I love. I was talking to someone today about uh, the idea of trying to preserve the youth and my daughters. I love talking about stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, I don't care. I don't. Man, I don't like, yeah, no, there's nowhere I don't want to go. So,
2: was there ever a place you went to and it didn't move up to the height?
1: Um, trying to think. Uh, no. I mean, you hold expectations. I say, I say this. Crappy, crappily, but like, and this is gonna sound like you gotta understand. I'm not coming from it at that angle, but like Paris, Paris is pretty awesome. But you know, Paris gets this rap of being the the most romantic city in the world. And if you're not there with someone else, it's kind of just another city. Um, so like, I, 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 the first time I've been to Paris was when I was in college, and I, and they were like, let's do it again. I was like, definitely. But I wasn't there with my wife. Uh, I wasn't there with. I was just there by myself with my crew again. So Paris is a city I'd like to redo. I'd like to revisit with maybe even my daughters or or my... I'd like to do it with my, my daughters. My daughters, my wife, or, like, my girls. Like, I'd love to do it with them. I'd love to see Paris with them. Um, but that's all only city really did. Like, I mean, I love like I love France, but I just feel like I, I feel like maybe Paris has a little bit of a build-up, like New York, where you're like, it's the greatest. The city that never sleeps, you're like, well, I passed out at 9 o'clock. And you're like, oh, well, you didn't do it right. So, I'd like to maybe do Paris once again. If you're all familiar with the show Man vs. Uh, food, do
2: you think you could beat Adam Richman in a man versus food challenge, if so, even what?
1: Uh, yes. And beer. Nah. Adam's not Adam Adam Adam's not a beer big beer drinker. He's like a regular dude. He, he he I don't know how he does those eating challenges. I know that I know that he's got like a little bit of a system. But like I'm massively impressed consistently by him doing those eating challenges. Uh, that that he just gets them done. More more so with the hot food, the spicy food, because I couldn't do any of those. But if there's one place I got and I know this from personal experience, is beer drinking. So
2: do you have like a particular beer brand you think you
1: out on uh, I, I personally, I wouldn't go light beer because Adam's someone who can figure out light beer. I would go with like an IPA, and uh, and I just, I just pray to God he passed out before I did. <laughs>
2: I, I like the fact that he's like, that he's strategizing but he's
1: really really
2: thinking this out that, that's a genius idea. oh get. yeah of I mean, course yeah cause I think I, I think an IPA would totally I think an IPA would probably knock him out like if I like if I was going to do that contest my thing would be soda because that's like my primary favorite
1: like I, I drink soda sort of the way you drink liquor man so I think like I'll do the man versus food I probably go with soda but um yeah he's not Adam's not a Adam's not a big beer drinker he's just a regular dude like he's not even a big eater sadly like I, it was definitely you know he was doing it for a tv show but he's like he's a foodist like he loves food loves food and one of the coolest things about him is that when you go out to eat with him like people bring him food that you've never had because he's a foodie but he's not like a glutton at all like every time i've known him I, i like i had him on my podcast and he was like no i'm good i'm not hungry i don't i'm not like he didn't eat at all and he didn't drink anything yeah, he's a good guy. I love Adam. And we've been, and we've been
2: talking, uh, I know throughout the show, and a lot of the answers you've been bringing up your podcast on. Um, uh, how long have you been doing the podcast?
1: A little over a year, I think. I'm at 90 episodes. I probably, I'm probably coming up on two years, I guess. But, uh, it's not that good of a podcast. I'll be honest with you. Uh, who would you say
2: was, uh, was, like your favorite guest to have
1: on? Well, I know for a fact that Bill Burr and Bobby Slay are my two favorite human beings. Um, I don't know if that's because they both have red hair, but I don't know. Uh, I, Miss Pat is one of my favorite people to have on the podcast, only because she's Miss Pat. She's un- and Joey Diaz. Joey Diaz is always, like, I mean, the fact that I ignored him at all, Ari Shapir, Thomas Sakura, uh, I've had a lot of amazing ones, but, like, those are. The top names that I go, I want to get Rod on the podcast, but he's so busy. So I keep pressing him about it, and we keep talking about doing it. But you know, like, look, when you when you are genuinely busy, you're genuinely busy. So yeah, but it's a good podcast. I think you'll like it if you like me. I think. Yeah, yeah.
2: I think I think show would would help us since you since you were on his show before and you helped um you know how some really good, get some good ratings. and I know. Um, I think the Russian mafia story you told on there and it got a lot of hits. So
1: I think he's kind of okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, look, it's me doing Joe's show as a representation of Joe and not a representation of me. Like, and when i if I get big numbers on Joe's show, it's because it's Joe's show. Trust me on that. <laughs> <laughs> I was
2: just trying to be
1: nice. <laughs> well, thank well, you, Vince. I appreciate that. I appreciate it.
2: No problem. And I also know that, you know, in addition to to Conquer and Trick Flip, like, you've done a lot of other shows and I was very interested to find out about his uh, about you. I think he did this thing called the the X show on the FX and while that. And I will to see how this show came about.
1: Uh well, I did a show, um I did a show at the last factory with a guy named Reno Collier. Do you know Reno Collier?
2: I know Reno, he's very funny.
1: Yeah, I did a show with him. It was a showcase show and a bunch of people were there and some people saw me from Fox. And they thought I'd be a good co-host, so I got hired on the show. And it's very uneventful, but they saw me do stand-up after a general meeting and they wanted me for the show and I was in. So I did it, uh, I did it for like a year and a half. It's a great show. It's really fun. I learned a lot. I, if I could, I'd go back to that and do that again and again and again. But, uh, and I think I'm always chasing that tale. I'm always chasing that moment in my career where I go, ah, oh, how cool was this? I think I have it with Tripflip. I know. I, I know I have it with my crew that I travel with. But like, it was an amazing experience. Amazing. Um, but yeah, I just I just did stand up and they liked me. Uh, not to take the wind out of that question, but it's kind of how the business works sometimes.
2: So who came up with the idea to remove to, to do the wax the hair room? There was. was from what I read there was a moment where you actually were, were was like getting your you got you got you got you were getting waxed on the show, like your hair was being removed and
1: Yeah. Have, uh, I talked I talked to uh, Jillian Barbary is was one of my co hosts and uh said to her, um, I thought time, I thought, and I, I maybe still the time, I don't know what my thoughts are, but I thought all women should be waxed clean. Like, totally fair. She was like, you have no idea what that feels like. And I was like, I don't care. Like an ignorant 26-year-old kid, I was like, I don't care. She was like, well, then why don't you do it? And I was like, I'll do it. And so I did it. And it was aggressive, to say the least. It was like hardcore. Like, I got blown away. And uh, But I did it for TV. And it was like, the talk shoot clip of the year was one of the funniest things I've ever done my entire career to this day I look back and I go if I could just capture whatever honesty I had in that moment I'd, have, I'd be a millionaire like, but I was just that, that genre had not been invented yet so the genre of a, was like that what that was left for at the time was like David Letterman sketches but you only had David Letterman doing them so it was coming from a generational way apart and at the time I did it and it was really funny and uh, I wish I could replicate it but you know whatever whatever so you
2: don't the opposite going to be um, uh, any hair in the
1: future on like or something? You might not throw that segment in. I said I said I said I'd do it. I said I'd do it to uh, to the producers. Uh, one of the producers, I was like I was like I'd totally do it. We, we were in Brazil, and I was like I would totally do a Brazilian hair wax I, in a heartbeat. It was one of the funniest things I've ever done. The only problem is I don't want to redo this. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like I don't want to just okay. be sitting there redoing this that people recognize I want to do original stuff and I think that's where the producer at the time came through and was like well I, I would rather come up with a cool thing for you to do that you've never done as opposed like and look at you as a talent as opposed to what what has worked in the past so that's uh you know it's like uh, you end up, you end up in a bad spot yeah I mean it makes perfect sense because you don't want to be enough, you don't want to you don't want
2: every reality show or TV show you do you don't want to be known as the hair wax removal guy because doesn
1: become like a pigeonhole Denn so Dude, the whole, the whole part, the whole reason I separate myself from the, or at least try to set myself. Separate myself from the Van Wilder stuff. I don't want people to come to my show and go, "Oh, this is Dan Wilder." Like I don't care about that. I, like I have no attachment to that, and it, it it doesn't serve me any other purpose other than maybe selling some tickets to people that I may that may not get me. So I don't know. I don't know. I could, dude. I could deconstruct me for hours. That's what I do for a living in my bedroom. I literally just deconstruct me and go, "Ooh, what works about this guy? What doesn't work about this guy?"
2: uh, I I do do remember hearing about, you know, stories Van Wilder being, you know, loosely based on your life, and that was a big thing that people mentioned about you for years, so... Yeah, you're trying to avoid that now? Or like it happens?
1: I'm not trying to avoid it. It's part of my past. I don't want to avoid anything. It's it because I think it comes out like you're scared of it. I'm not scared of it at all. I just okay. See, personally, I just and, and dude, trust me when I tell you, the only reason you know about the Van Wilder stuff is because of me. Like I'm the one that yelled it to the masses. I stood on top of the bleachers going, I am Van Wilder! like I literally not 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 that aggressive but close up uh Truth is, when I started writing the book, I didn't really write about any of that experience. And then we started selling the book, I realized maybe a little bit marketing—that's what they saw me as. And I was like, "Well, I don't even write about it, and I don't want to talk about it. I talked about it as much as I could. I have talked about it, but it's not something I like care to talk about because has, I have no—I have no honest interaction with it. It's not like if you said, "Tell me about the X show," you know how uneventful that was. Where I go, like, "Well, I was they saw me to stand up and they like me and I got cat. It's even less with the Venable stuff because. I didn't really do anything. Like, they just, you know, uh, the people, all of a sudden, I'm through the rest of my life and doing the right scripts and the script comes around, it gets fed on Hollywood and then National Lampoon gets it. And, you know, that's, I didn't, I didn't do anything. I didn't, I didn't even have any input. So, uh, so I always kind of try to distance myself just because I, only because, only because, not because I don't want to be interesting, I want to be interesting. I just don't want people coming to my show thinking, I can't wait to hear about the story when he rented a golf cart or what I See the movie, so I don't know the thing. But like, ran a golf carton and masturbated a bulldog. Like, I'm like, I have never did any of that. And they're like, Why did you talk about that? And you're like, I never did any of that. I'm not being wilder I'm me. That's just a part of my history. Does that make any sense at all?
2: Yeah. yeah I think what you're trying to say. Is that you know? Premise of the movie was based on you, but the actual events were nothing you did. You didn't do any of those things. And I
1: think. Oh, you were, dude. Think if you if said. anything, if anything, the movie was inspired by the article, and that is it entirely. And I've always said that. I've always said that. But yeah, the movie was inspired by the article. Uh, and and like I said, I only know that through National Lampoon. That's what they told me in their offices on Sunset. So I don't really care. I love. I, I'm not displacing that. History of mine It's just I'm glad people like it But don't expect Like a Van Wilder Comedy show When they come see me You know Absolutely
2: yeah And I, I Like I said I've seen you I've seen you perform before And it's definitely not A Van Wilder type show But it's
1: still No it is it, 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 it is that it isn't It's like It's like Sadly I, I think My only argument is I feel like the, Sometimes I go You know I got involved With the Russian Mafia Like that's so much better Than that fucking Shitty movie Not to show the movie But like like, my story, and they knew this going into it, was so much more interesting than that movie. But, for whatever that's worth, it's, it's a moot point, because that movie was massively successful. So, uh, you know, whatever. It's, uh,
2: I mean, it's, and the fact that the stories are 100% true makes it even better. Like, you're not making up anything. That's what's amazing
1: about it. You yeah. know, it's like, it's, we it's, the best part. The best part. The best part of all my stories is you can go on Facebook and you can find the people who were in that rushy class that I robbed on the train. They're real people. You can find them, and it is more interesting than the story, in my opinion. But then, then it also puts a face on it. You're like, oh, how sad. Like, what a dick yes, this guy is. But what you know? Yeah, yeah. That's uh. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where like they were just in the heat of the moment,
2: but at the same time, they're excited to know that um, during involved Ball- involved so I think since
1: their are mentioned, they're kind of Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm sure. I can think of one chick that is not cool with the story. I promise you. Like, I know, like, I can of a couple chicks that were not cool with the story. I think uh, a, I know a girl came out on Facebook and was like, I just want the story 100% true. I know that one of my classmates came to one of my shows in Portland and he was like, just heard the story 100% true. But he was a dude. Uh, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I, I it was not right what I did at all, but you know, whatever.
2: I was you what to say, man, you guys can catch uh, Bert Kreischer at the Punchline. Uh, he'll be there all weekend long. Uh, and for, uh, before you hang up, I just want to say uh, thank you so much. Thanks for coming here, you know, for taking time out of your day to. Really no,
1: don't live. mention it. So. I, I love you, brother. I I love you, man. Don't worry about it. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you this weekend. We can have a beer, okay?
2: Sounds great, man. Love you too. All right, see you, bye.
0: All right, and that, ladies and gentlemen, was my interview with The Machine. Bert Kreischer, and like I said, I was very excited to have Bert on the show, um, I was actually very honored to hear him say that I gave him one of the best questions that he had ever been asked when I asked him about the aftermath of the Russian Mafia story because as I mentioned in the interview the reason I asked him that question was because I noticed every time someone talks about the Russian Mafia story, they want to hear about the story, and he basically retells the story on every podcast, which, you know was fine, you know, if that's what they want to hear, because not everybody's heard it, and I'm sure Burt doesn't mind retelling the story. But I was more intrigued to find out what happened afterwards in the midst of all the chaos. So the fact that Bert was willing to share that with me was fantastic, and the fact that he later told Jamie Bendel of The Punchline that I gave him one of the best questions he's ever been asked. Now, I don't know if anyone's been able to top that question since this interview, but that's a question you would probably have to ask Bert, or I would have to ask Bert if I'm ever able to get him back on the Boochcast again, which I would love to do. You know, Bert has done so much in his career since the last time I saw him. His He's become this, like, mega star, And I would love to be able to sit and talk with Bert and, you know, talk more about what's been going on in his career and the fact that he's, you know, he brought back the podcast. It's bigger and better than it's ever been. He's touring all over the place. He's got Netflix specials. He even had a Netflix series where he was relaxing in the mountains and had special guests come down to hang out with him. Like, Bert's done a lot in his career and I'm very, very proud of him for what he's done. And also, I do want to throw in one other thing. Um, I want to apologize to Bert, but I also want to apologize to anybody listening. If it felt like we were being a little too... Interrogation like that's the best I can describe it. Uh with the questions we were asking about uh the network and everything, and you know, you know, like what neg- anything he's ever said no to or anything he was pitched that was bad. Because the purpose of those questions was not for Bert to badmouth the network or put him in an uncomfortable situation. Because that is never my intention when I interview a guest. The last thing I want to do is make any guest on this show uncomfortable. I want this to be a place where where you can be interviewed if I interview you on this show and you don't have to feel like you're being blindsided. Now, on the one hand, I am going to ask tough questions if there's tough questions to be asked because as an interviewer, you are required to ask the tough questions. But at the same time, I want every guest to feel comfortable and not feel like they're being bombarded. So the reason I ask questions like that is because, you know, Bert went to so many great places. Bert did so many great trips. You know, there's so many positive things, you know, and if, if you see someone. And it's way too positive. There's a part of you that wants to know about the negative side. Or if you see something that's way too negative, you want to ask yourself, hey, is there anything positive about this? Is any, this person, you know, if somebody's always miserable, you want to know, do they ever have a good day? And if someone's always happy, you want to know, do they ever have a bad day? So it was more curiosity than anything else, and I wanted to clarify that. But obviously, if Burt felt uncomfortable, I apologize. If any Burt Chrysler fans felt like I was disrespectful for asking those questions, I sincerely apologize for that. Now, that being said, I did promise you guys some stories. So I will tell a Burt Kreischer story from the early stages of our friendship. One night, uh, Burt was performing at the Laughing Skull Lounge. And I went to the Laughing Skull to go see Bert. And even though I wasn't performing on the show, because I am a comedian, I was allowed to go backstage and hang out with the comics and hang out with Bert, because the Laughing Skull is a very intimate setting. So there's not a lot of places for comics to sit in the crowd. So we kind of all have to hang out in the green room. Unless there's too many comics in the green room, then at some point they kick some comics out and whatever. But I was hanging back there and it was me, Bert, and a couple of Atlanta comics that I knew. And during this time, Bert was working on a joke or a bit about gay porn. Now, I don't know exactly what made him come up with that. I think the joke was something along the lines of he saw gay porn one time and he said, ladies, you need to step your game up because apparently he's making a bit about how gay guys are better at sucking dick than uh, women. I'm assuming that was the joke. That, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it. So don't don't quote me on that being the exact joke. I am totally paraphrasing because I don't remember the joke by heart. But I know at some point There was a tablet in the green room That had a gay porn on it And Bert wanted me to take a look at it He said hey buddy take a look at this Now obviously as someone who is not gay My first reaction was like I don't really think I want to But at the same time And any young comic will tell you this When you meet a headlining comic Whether it's a big name star Or just a guy who tours on the road regularly When you're a young comic coming up in the business You know getting an invitation From a big time headliner to do anything is kind of like a gift from the godfather you know like when the godfather offers you a gift you take the gift he offers you a drink you take the drink he offers you a drug you take the drug stuff like that like I know a lot of comics who don't do cocaine but if Sam Kinison offered them a line they would snort that shit in a heartbeat hell I remember when I was in New York but this New York comic offered to buy me some beers I took the beers. Even though I don't normally drink a lot, I drank a lot that night because I wanted to bond with the New York comics. Well, with Bert, it was kind of the same thing because I kind of thought to myself, okay, if Bert offers me to watch this gay porn, if I watch it, he'll think I'm cool and I got thick skin and I can take a joke and maybe he'll invite me to open with him on the road. Like, that's that's how crazy young comedians' minds get. We do everything we can to appease big-time road comic headliners in the hopes they'll bring us on the road as their opening act and we'll get paid. Paid and we'll be able to do comedy full-time and get the fuck out of our day jobs. So he hands me the tablet and, I, and I'm looking at it and I press play. Now, the first thing I see is a picture of a barn and it is the most poorly drawn barn I've ever seen in my life. You would have thought a kindergartner drew this shit and it zooms in on the barn and then it cuts to inside the barn where you see a giant haystack and you see two like farmers tied up back to back in this barn. Now, obviously, I I've never watched gay porn This is my first time Looking at a gay porn But I've watched enough Straight porn To know That when you're Watching a porn The first two people You see in The porn In the scene Those are two people That at some point In that scene Are gonna start fucking So I'm thinking To myself How are these guys Gonna have sex With each other If their arms Are tied up Back to back How are they gonna Have sex So the curiosity Of how they're gonna Pull this off Has me glued to the iPad. Now, right now, it's just a bunch of struggling and dialogue and shit. So I'm now glued to this screen because I'm wondering, okay, how the hell are they going to pull this off? What kind of Cirque du Soleil shit am I about to watch here? Now, unbeknownst to me, while I'm watching this tablet, Bert is sneaking up behind me with his camera to take the picture. I don't see Bert creeping up behind me because my eyes are glued to the screen. Now, at some point in this scene, a third farmer comes in. He sees the other two tied up and he unties them. Then they start having a conversation uh, most of it's in Spanish, I think, or either that or they have very thick accents, so I can't understand even the English that they're saying. And then all of a sudden there's a transition, like a dissolve or like a spiral thing, or whatever. And the next thing you know, they immediately start having a threesome and gangbang each other. There was no foreplay, there was no music. It just transitioned immediately into gangbanging. And right when the gangbang happens, like the second I see three naked dudes fucking, I'm immediately like, oh my god, and I turn away away. So I do it really fast. Like, oh my God. And I turn away. As I turn away, as I'm looking away, that's when Bert snaps the picture. So when you see the picture, which I don't know if Bert still has it or not, but I'm clearly looking away from the tablet. I'm not looking at it. I'm like, oh my God. And I look away. Bert snaps the picture and he's jumping up and down like a kid in a candy store going, I got the picture. I got the picture. I got the picture. Look, I got the picture. And I'm just sitting there going, you son of a, but I'm laughing while I'm doing it. I'm like, all right. So I, and I, and I, and I, and I, You know, I clap, I bow down. All right, Bert, you got me. It got me. It was good. It was a good prank. I give him credit. And then Bert says, does anyone have Larry's number? I got to send this to him. Now, I'll do a little sidetrack here for y'all that don't know. Larry is part of the Regular Guys show. As I mentioned in the intro, how, you know, I was affiliated with the Regular Guys show when I met Bert Kreischer. Larry Wax was the head of the Regular Guys and was also my showbiz mentor and in a lot of ways still is. So he goes, I want to send this to Larry. And I immediately go, don't send it to Larry. Please do not send this to Larry. I'm begging you, don't send it to Larry. And the reason I didn't want Larry to see it was because I knew if Larry saw it, it would go on the internet, that picture. And Bert's like, oh, relax. Larry's not gonna do anything with it. I'm like, what are you, new? Are you out of your mind? Yes, he is. So he, he gets Larry's number. He sends it to Larry. Within an hour, it is up on the regular guy's Facebook page. And then I had to come in the following week and explain to the regular guy's fans why I was watching gay porn. And of course, they're all writing jokes about me being gay in the comments section because A, back then, people like to make gay jokes. Those same people who made those jokes would probably condemn you for writing those jokes today, which would make them hypocrites. But also because I hung out with Jerry Truman a lot, who as most people know is a bisexual who likes to have sex with trans women. So because I hung out with him so much, people thought I was gay by association. So I've had a lot of gay jokes thrown at me, and at the time, my skin was not as thick as it is now. Today I have thick skin. You want to offend me? Good fucking luck. Um, back then, I was not quite as emotionally strong enough to handle that but obviously you know bygones were bygones Bert and I are still cool because obviously when he came to do this interview it had been long after that incident already happened so obviously Bert and I were still on good terms he still loves me I still love him you know no homo uh and Bert is an awesome guy so that's my one funny uh Bert Kreischer story that I have other ones were just us hanging out in bars drinking after his comedy shows and just you know hanging out and telling great stories and having him on the show so yeah, that was my uh, Burt Kreischer story that I wanted to share. I hope you guys enjoyed that. And uh, if you want to hear more stories uh, about Burt Kreischer from Burt Kreischer uh, and you're in the Atlanta area, make sure you go to the State Farm Arena this Saturday, September 16th, where Burt Kreischer will be performing at 7 p.m. as part of his Tops Off World Tour. And of course, you can go to Ticketmaster.com uh, if you want to check out Burt Kreischer. If he's coming to your town, Ticketmaster.com slash Burt Tickets is the best. Place to go, but make sure if you're in the Atlanta area, because I know most of my fans are here in Atlanta, check him out at the State Farm Arena this Saturday night. And as and I'll just say one more time how grateful I am that Burt Kreischer appeared on this show. And I really hope that someday I can have him back on because I would love to talk more about what has gone down in his life since the last time we spoke. And of course, uh make sure you guys uh follow the booch We're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio your favorite hosting site and follow us there or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash TheBoochCast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Uh, Make sure you check out the male soap opera moment where we gave our predictions for WWE Payback and make sure you be on the lookout for the recap of WWE Payback coming soon to The BoochCast Facebook page. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TheBoochCast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos visit our YouTube channel check out all of our YouTube content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted also make sure you follow us on Twitch go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast that's where we do our live wrestling watch parties our next watch party will be Saturday November the 25th for WWE Survivor Series Uh, we're still working out the kinks for that I'm trying to get the team together to make sure they're going to be present for this watch party because I personally will not be there because I will be with Buff Bagwell and Winston-Salem, North Carolina for Wrestlecade. So we will be at Wrestlecade on November 24th and the 25th. You can catch me and Buff the Stuff Bagwell at Wrestlecade. And like I said on the Twitch channel, we're hoping to get the team together so they can do the watch party and give you guys a great night of watching wrestling. And of course we have our live D&D show coming soon. Our Boochcast booking battle and another special project in the works. And of course you guys can support the Boochcast by going to podcast Podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the bootcast slash support. Become a supporter of the bootcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is 99 cents, one dollar per month. We have our second level, which is 499, $5 per month. And we have the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $999, $10 per month. You have the option of paying the credit card. Or with GPay. And the best part is all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment. We used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the booch cast a success. So if you got a favorite co host and believes they're to be paid for their hard work, podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, aka the Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been the Cast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza baby! <laughs> Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. Adieu. Adieu. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu. Volvia. I'll approach goodbye till when we meet again.